on this week's episode moon knight rises on disney plus did master chief get a kill tacular with his first episode and who made it out big at the oscars all this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Pop Culture Cosmos, popculturecosmos.com, Humanican Media, or everywhere we're at because we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. Plus, we've got a ton of videos, interviews, games, Everything that we do, including the latest news and trends of pop culture, right there on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you can support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own Oscar Award winning man of the hour for Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Humanican Media with his great shows, the Super BS Gamescast and Topicocalypse, plus all the things that he does, including his great book, Congratulations, You Suck, which is available right now at Barnes & Noble and, of course, Amazon as well. And the award goes to my good friend, Josh Peterson. What's up, man? I want to thank my stylist and my beard guy and, uh, of course, my parents and my good friend, Gerald Glassford. Uh, just the, the list just goes on and on. This means so much. It's such an honor. Let me give a big speech on my political opinion. And now I will gladly take this award. Thank you. Have a good night. Great to have you here, my friend. We're ready for another action-packed, very busy episode, as it always is here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. We got a lot of stuff to talk about that's on tap, including, since it's Oscars, I will be on the show with Melinda Barkhouse, normally our Friday co-host. She is actually sitting in the chair for just a few minutes as we wrap up the Oscars on the back end of the show. She's going to talk about the big winners. We'll cover the big categories, who won what, and we'll talk about whether or not we liked it or didn't like it. That'll come up on the back end of the show. Plus also as well, Dawn Fobbs is here with her March TV update. She's always talking some good things about what she's watching and what she thinks you should check out on television. So she's going to come up here in a bit as well. Plus, Josh and I are going to be talking about the latest thing that's coming up for Disney Plus in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That is Moon Knight. It's coming out this week on the 30th. So we're going to go ahead and preview Moon Knight for you coming up here on the show. Plus also as well, a quick box office report. How well? did the movies coming this weekend including the lost city how did that perform we'll talk about that coming up here in a bit plus also as well we've got some great things including a video game rundown with elix 2 cyberpunk 2077 tiny tina's wonderland kirby and the forgotten land that's all coming up here in the bit and also on the back end of the show who won quote unquote at the razzies the anti-oscars We'll talk about who was the worst of the worst on this show as well. But first up, my friend, you and I watched it. You and I would love to talk about it. We've been texting back and forth all day long about how we wanted to share our feelings on this. And that is Paramount Plus's latest hit show, Halo, the series that is now the biggest debut ever for paramount plus beating 1883 beating all the star trek shows it is the largest debut ever for a paramount plus show i want to hear your thoughts my friend episode one i've got a lot to talk about on it but i do want to hear your thoughts first on the first episode of halo 
so let me let me start out by saying like I, this is only based on one episode, right? Because I don't know where the story's going, and this is a completely different world than the Halo video game. So this opinion could change drastically come next week or the week after. Mm-hmm. So basic thoughts right off the bat here is uh really cool action sequences like they did not look as as cheesy as i thought they would you know i kind of thought originally it's going to look like a, a bunch of cosplay people jumping up and down on things and shooting rifles i was surprisingly pleased by how well done the action sequences were second thought here the acting was not the best that's probably just because i don't know I don't know any of the actors on there and maybe I'm just not used to like how they act. So seeing, you know, the master chief's interactions with the, uh, the girl that he rescues, it just, it didn't, I don't know. It just didn't feel right. If that makes sense. How'd you feel the first time Steve Downs did not talk as the voice of master chief, because he is not the voice of master chief. So it was, I don't know. That's another thing. It was, it was weird to hear that at first. And then I kind of got used to it. It was when he took his helmet off that it really became difficult for me because I just did not imagine Master Chief looking like that. I didn't imagine like the semi-shaved mutton chops and the the, the shaved head. I, I imagined him looking more rugged looking, like a like a scarred face. Because it's been augmented and yeah, all that stuff. Just more battle not, scarred. Right. Not yeah, not like chiseled or anything, but just I don't know, like more of a stony looking face and those blue eyes that he's become known for, like in the books, like in the way that they describe him. I was expecting that. I was not expecting, what was the guy's name? Pablo Schreiber? Is that yes. who that is? Yeah, I was not expecting him to look like that. I don't know. It kind of changed my perception of things. Their starting point was not where I imagined the whole series would start. This takes place like where the Covenant is. They're trying to convince the outer colonies that the Covenant's real and all that. And they think that the Covenant is just a propaganda tool used by the UNSC. And it's just such a weird starting point, though, because, you know, the book Contact Harvest, I think, is the name of the book that's about Sergeant Major Johnson. That was a more logical place to start for me. I agree. So if I were to just give you my thoughts in a brief couple sentences, I would say... The action scenes were cool. Did not really like the story thus far, but I don't know where it's going. I can give you a couple more sentences on top of that. I thought the special effects were hit and miss. There mm-hmm. was one scene with Master Chief doing a leap onto the top of a vehicle that looked very stilted. It was looked really bad. I yeah. thought Reach was something a little bit different. I imagined it to be a little bit different from what I've read in the fall of Reach, but that was just yeah. me. And we've seen it in the video game too, the yeah. Halo Reach. Like it didn't look like that. Like this yeah. it made it look more like a privileged dystopian society. Yeah. Know, like, like in the Hunger Games. They said they were going to distance themselves a little bit from the actual linear history of the game mm-hmm. and not follow something verbatim as far as the storyline is concerned. I don't like the fact that they mixed up the insurrectionists, the covenant, and UNSC all together and put them all in the in the same storyline. And they had this human infiltrator that is in alignment with the covenant. I don't understand her role in this. Yeah. I don't understand why she's even existing there. I thought that was really poor. Again, mixing all those three elements of the storylines from past Halos, I thought that was really not very well served for all three of the individual mm-hmm. stories that are taking place. You mix them all together into one storyline, and it really doesn't help matters much. And then you had this wannabe Mass Effect thing where he finds this Covenant artifact, and all of a sudden he gets these memories. And I was really disappointed by that because that was really something you borrowed from Mass Effect in a point where in the later in the episode, you actually referenced Mass Effect with a Commander Shepard reference. If you can hear it about 30 minutes in is an Easter egg for you, but it's very clear that they were trying to borrow the concept from Mass Effect on that. And I thought that was kind of reaching as well. So overall, I, I was disappointed with the episode. I think that to me is something that it was probably goes on the lower echelon of any type of Halo non-video game entity that I have seen or read. Yeah. So yeah, far. That's just one episode. Though. Right, right. And there's, you know, we, we might be surprised based on where it's going. The whole thing with the Relic was confusing because are they going to go the Forerunner route? Like, I hope they do because there's a lot of interesting mythology there. 
but in the books like these kids like the the spartans they know where they came from like they knew that they were taken from their parents like it was no secret to them so i'm curious like why they had to go the whole like brainwash route like oh hey we can't remember anything it just it feels i, I don't know that that storyline feels kind of cheap to me yeah it, it just basically for me it was a kind of a disappointment i was really underwhelmed by the whole first episode but again it's the first episode i am going to continue to give it more of a chance but we want to hear your thoughts on the first episode so please we want to hear your thoughts on the first episode pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com you can tell us your thoughts on whether you liked it whether you're looking forward to hearing and seeing the rest of the series coming up but we want to hear your thoughts on the first episode of Halo, which has done huge numbers on Paramount Plus, which is a very good thing. No matter how bad you think this episode is or this television series is going to pan out, I am ecstatic that it did great numbers for Paramount Plus because that means there's going to be more video game IPs going to be utilized in different ways in entertainment. So I am very happy about that. So we look forward to hearing your thoughts, Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com but before we hit the break my friend and my conversation with don fobs on our march tv update wanted to ask you as far as what's coming up this week there's no better thing to see on tv than march 30th with moon Knight. we've been waiting for it now it's been six weeks of stagnant viewing for disney plus turning red is the only real entity and of course the netflix marvel shows moving over on disney plus we finally get ourselves some fresh content that I think a lot of people are going to be checking out. Oscar Isaac and the role of Moon Knight with the different variations of personalities coming into play. Your thoughts on Moon Knight as it heads to Disney Plus on March 30th. You know, I was bummed because I thought it came out Friday. Me and my wife sat down on the couch and we we're getting ready to turn it on. Then I realized like, oh no, it doesn't come out for another week. So we ended up watching Rain of Fire on Amazon Prime. Pretty underrated movie, by the way. I'm excited about Moon Knight. Like, this is the first time that we're seeing this character, like, really cared about it all. It, it, he's kind of always been this really obscure comic book character, and he's briefly in the run of Ultimate Comics. I know he's got a few good stories in the main line of Marvel Comics, but he's someone that people don't really know a whole lot about, despite how interesting his backstory and mythology is. And I've been reading a lot of interviews with him and Ethan Hawke about the show and just hearing their thoughts on how it's connected, but it doesn't rely on the MCU and he's kind of doing his own thing. It gets me really excited for this show. And I didn't realize that's only going to be six episodes. Is that true? Like, yes. I, I was it's, okay. it's only a small series. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's initiation for us as the viewers to get used to him because he's going to be on MCU movies going forward. Oh, perfect. Okay. I, yeah, I had no idea that this that is was... only a get to know you thing. They're going to be doing this a lot coming up there. They just give you quick series, six episode series just to get you up to date with them so that they can become a part of a larger picture with the MCU in the movies going forward. Okay, see, that's smart. That's kind of like the one-shots that they used to. Remember the one-shots, <laughs> yeah, the yeah. short films they used to do? With well, like with Nova, the Nova series that was announced as being in production, in development, mm -hmm. that will probably be something like this, where we need to get to know you over six episodes that you could become, whoever it is, a major part of the MCU going forward. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think about the rumors flying around that John Krasinski is going to be playing Mr. Fantastic in well, Doctor Strange? Uh, the fans have been talking about him being Mr. Fantastic for a long time. Whether or not it's going to be a position just to service the fans once and then you'll never see him again, that to me would be really disappointing. Yeah. I hope he would take up the character in a Fantastic Four movie, the Fantastic Four movie that's already been talked about already been announced in development the whole nine yards i'm mm -hmm. hoping he'll get to play that role going forward i'm hoping his wife will play sue storm in the oh, movie absolutely. That'd be yeah awesome. i mean after turning down the role of black widow way back when and letting scarlett johansson playing it maybe the opportunity will come to her that she'll want to go ahead and play sue storm playing opposite her, her real life husband and maybe that will work because they were together on the quiet places so mm -hmm. i think this would be a great shot for both of them but yeah, I just think right now that would be a great thing as a great fan service thing. He's a good actor and everybody and their grandmother have been talking about him as being Mr. Fantastic. So I see him most likely being in that role in some form or fashion. But the thing is, 
are you going to let him continue playing that role? So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Just don't do a one shot. Like right. we're talking about one shot. About don't continuity. Let him be the Mr. Fantastic. You can have Ian Gruffold from the original Fantastic Four movies in the earlier part of the century do like a, you know, an alternate type deal. And they'll have Michael Chiklis playing the thing. I know that was suggested on the Lakers Fast Break of all places the, a couple of weeks ago by Joe mm-hmm. Soro, co-host of mine. So yeah, it's funny because we talked about all these variables. That's great if you throw that in there, but do the fans a favor. Please let John Krasinski go ahead and become a part of the MCU in a definitive fashion going forward. But Closing up your thoughts on Moon Knight. Excited. It's going to be a harder edge, more violent series. It's going to be something with a grittier edge to it, something I know you've been talking about. Now that the parental filters are on for Disney+, and they brought over the Netflix shows without editing them at all, that's a great sign. So I'm looking forward to a more grittier, more dark show coming up in Moon Knight. Yeah, and there's no doubt that it's going to be that, just judging by the commercials and seeing the way that the actors are portraying these characters and like you say with them moving the netflix shows over it's going to be dark and i'm kind of excited about that well i'll tell you what my friend i'm looking forward to it as well it is moon Knight. it is debuting this week on disney plus it is a get to know you for moon Knight for many fans out there or many viewers of disney plus as he will become a major player in the mcu going forward we want to hear your thoughts on moon Knight coming this week to disney plus please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well coming up after the break it's don fobbs with our march tv update right here at the pop culture cosmos for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba check out the lakers fast break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for watching and listening each and every time we have one of our great interviews. And it's that time. Once again, each and every month we devote a segment to the world of television. And there's no one better to break down what's going on, the ins, the outs, who's in, who's out, what's hot, what's not, than a great person indeed who is here to talk television she is the co-host of the Mother Daughter Ish podcast. It is Don Fobbs and Don. Great to have you here for your monthly segment. We truly appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today about the world of television. Thank you for having me. I love it. <laughs> uh, absolutely, always great to have you here. A lot of great things going on always in television. The renewals are starting to flow in. I know CW seems like, even though their ratings on the surface only seem to go lower and more minuscule as possible, they seem to still find a way to renew a lot of shows. And this past week was no exception as they renewed not one, not two, not three, but seven series in total as The Flash Kung Fu, All-American, Nancy Drew, Superman and Lois, Walker, and Riverdale got the bump up for another season. That's I'm really excited about that. Yeah. The Flash, Flash I didn't want to see go anywhere because they also translated over to Netflix. And so the Flash has just got so much supernatural and so much galactic details over there that I just don't want to see it canceled. Oh, I don't suppose to see a canceled year. And I think of all the shows, either it's in the Arrowverse or the CW as a whole, I think yeah. it is probably the foundational show for them. Yeah. I know there's a lot of other great things that you want to talk about on this week's platform. I know last week I mentioned on the show here that Atlanta season three debuted last week on FX to mm-hmm. tremendous reviews. Some of the highest reviews for a television show in quite some time back for season three. Donald Glover, who is a tremendous talent, has already indicated that it will end after season four, which to me kind of hurts, which is very disappointing because he's so gifted. But then again, he's just going to be doing something else, which is just as tremendous. So I look forward to seeing what he's going to have in store for us in the future. But 
your thoughts on Atlanta or other TV shows. I know Halo's first episode did ungodly numbers, the highest numbers ever for Paramount Plus, but there are other shows that are out there I know that you want to talk about as well. Well, I'll tell you for Atlanta, what I feel like is going to happen is that it's going to find a life of its own on some of these streaming networks. And then people who have never seen it on the original platform, they're going to bring it back to life. It may not get other episodes, but it's just going to continue to live on as a very popular show. That's happened with so many shows like Good Girls, and it's happened with Manifest, and it happened with so many shows that it'll be on a particular station. Nobody knows about it. They stick it over on another platform, and it's like it gets another life of its own. So well, the, I hope that that does for, for Donald Glover. I hope that that well, does that, I mean, this again. is Donald Glover's choice. This is not FX yeah. or Disney's choice. That's this what I'm is saying. Don- yeah. This is Donald Glover's choice to quit. This is not a situation where the ratings. Yeah, he's moving take... on to bigger and better things. Yeah. yeah. So, but this is different from Manifest or other shows where the ratings were the reason why the first run ratings were the reason why that these shows were discontinued. With Atlanta, the ratings have been obviously very warranted in keeping it on the air. This is Donald Glover's creative choice to end it after four seasons, even though yeah, right now we're in season good. three, which is good. Yeah. But I just look so, at—I guess I—I look at all of the people who just still have never seen it. I know oh, yeah. thousands of people who just still have never seen the show, just like me. I know the hottest thing going right now is Euphoria. I haven't seen any of Euphoria. I know about mm-hmm. it because everybody around me is watching it, but it's just not something that has caught my attention. I tried and I was like, okay, it's not my cup of tea. I like when you can present your project, it's a success, and then you can say, you know what? I'm ready to move to my next level. I love he, well, that. He, he is just so talented. Yeah, he, he is. is. He is one of the best performers out there. Yeah. Right now, you can see old episodes of Atlanta, and you'll be able to see episodes of Atlanta Season 3 on Hulu. So mm-hmm. hopefully, like you said, it will find a life where People fans will just demand it. so much that your intuition will come true and that he'll say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do another season of Atlanta right. season five. But again, we still have uh, almost uh, two seasons left of, of that show. So I'm looking okay. forward to seeing what he'll do with that. But there are still other great shows that are out there that I know yeah. you want to talk about. What's been on your mind in regards to television? Let me tell you, I got a couple of surprises this month that I didn't even, you know how like on Netflix, it'll tell you, Here's what's coming up this week, next week, and three weeks from now. I did not know there was so much deliciousness that was going to come on, Gerald. And I'll tell you, just in the last few weeks, I came across Bad Vegan. I've heard of it, absolutely. Bad Vegan with Sarma, the uh, restaurant owner in New York City. I'll be honest with you, after watching it, I decided what my whole entire April series was going to be on the Mother Daughter is show. And it's going to be warnings for women. Because after seeing Inventing Anna and after seeing The Tender Swindler and after seeing Bad Vegan, I'm just like, somebody's not teaching women to recognize the warning signs so that they don't get in these situations. And but so it's, we're also Netflix. it's also yeah. Netflix putting these shows on there because you mentioned all three of these shows. Where are all these shows? All at? of them on the same platform. Yes. Yeah, someone at Netflix knows these series connect with viewers. They do. Yeah, it's like true crime. It's like these type of shows that are like, oh my gosh, these these are such bad people. I can't believe that they're putting us, oh, I got to watch the next episode. I want to put the warnings out there for women, especially young women, so that they don't get caught in these situations because we're in such a digital age now that you almost want to believe every single thing that comes across the net. It's kind of like back in the day when people would say, well, if it was in the newspaper, it has to be true. It's kind of like now if it's online, it has to be true. But I found that show to be very interesting. I love the fact that a lot of the names in there were relatable, like, you know, Alec Baldwin and all these other people who were connected to her. And now that the show's over, you know me, Gerald, every time I see some of these movies, I'll go over to their Instagram page and connect with them. And I actually had a question for her. She hasn't answered it yet, but I just wanted to just understand the whole psyche behind believing in what she believed in. I just didn't understand it. The other show that I was excited to wake up on Friday morning to see was back was Bridgerton part two. Mm-hmm. I, I was so delighted to see Bridgerton. I've been waiting. I was hoping you were going to say that because yes, it oh, debuted. did oh. not debut with everyone that was hoping for you know, obviously we it's know okay. the big departure, but still, still the juiciness is there, isn't it? Oh, it still gave everything. And, and and I already knew 
which characters were not going to be on there and which ones were going to make a little peeking debut. And I was okay with it because I really would like for that particular person, the guy to be Bond. I mean, I think he could be Bond's son or something like that. Not the actual Bond. You you mentioned that last month. Yeah, but anyway, let me tell you, Bridgerton gave everything it was literally set out to give. And I was so intrigued. I got up maybe about 4 or 5 a.m. on Friday morning. I I looked over to see if it was back yet because I wasn't sure if it was this week or next week. And it was available. I hurried up and clicked on play. And I literally watched that the entire weekend until it was done. And I wasn't ready for it to go. But I like the way it starts off. It has a great riveting middle that keeps you on the edge of your seat and then i like the way at the end how it wraps it all in a bow for you so shonda rhymes has really done her thing on part two it i think i also was intrigued that it was different than part one yeah part one was just like boom i got you in this is amazing it's salacious it's all the things that we like to see and then part two was like this is a little salacious, but it's more about the seduction of everything. And you don't have to see the whole everything. You can just keep it to your imagination of what you think is going on there. So I really liked it. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how part three is going to come across because some of the things were the same thing where it is, okay, it's that season where we're going to have the cotillion and somebody's got to be chosen and somebody's got to get a husband and all that. So that theme and that thread stayed the same. But that was really good. So between watching Bad Vegan and watching Bridgerton, those were the two delights. Now, there are a couple of other shows on there. There's Windfall that's on there. There's Ozark. You know, they did that five-part thing, and then they're going to do the next five or six or seven parts. But one show on Netflix I did want to tell you about, and I'm sure you heard it already, was Archive 81, which was the mysterious show. We talked about that when I told you I watched that first episode, and I said, I can't do it. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. Well, a lot of people felt like you, I guess, even though my Friday co-host, she absolutely loves it. Unfortunately, Uh, not enough people did love it because Netflix canceled it after one season, which I know she was very disappointed. It was just so weird. It it wasn't even intriguing enough, though. I mean, it was just kind of out of the horror genre of kill, kill, kill. This is the worst things that could happen. I don't like to really put that in my spirit, so I didn't really care for it. Once again, it's Don Fobbs, who is the truly sensational person we have coming here every month to talk about the world of television. You got to check her out and her daughter. Uh, today at the Mother Daughter Ish podcast. Please go ahead and check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Don, you've been tremendous as always. And like you said, you've got more things coming up as we head into the spring. Back in the old days, when it would get to April and after the May sweeps, the TV season would kind of get boring because you get into reruns mm-hmm. and maybe some summer mm-hmm. programming that wasn't the best. You can't do that anymore with streaming. Right. You got so much yeah. going on with streaming There's and cable networks. Like, there are no downtimes in television anymore. Yeah. Yeah. There, there is no downtime. And, and if you say there's some downtime, it's just because you're not looking or you don't have any of these platforms. Because went on Netflix yesterday, Gerald, and I, I looked at, okay, what's coming up this week? Okay, what's coming up next week? And then it said, and then the following week, and I went, oh, so I know what's happening three weeks into April. Okay. So then I just go and put my little check marks for everything that I wanted to remind me of, and then I watch it accordingly. So it's just very, very interesting. And I'm noticing that also these platforms are starting to put more of these reality shows. Because I think even on Netflix, they just debuted, I think it's Young, Rich, and African or something like that. And I watched the first episode of that and was just like, wow, okay. So that's what it's all about. All right, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> and like you said, so much is coming out. You've so still got much. Moon Knight coming out this week on Disney+, Plus, which is the yep. next Marvel entry that's out there. So a lot of people are looking forward to that. Again. There is no more downtime in television. You got to go ahead and check out everything that's going on in the world of television. And there's no better person out there to talk about television than Don Fobbs. And Don, just sensational as always to have you here. You rocked it again. Thank so you. I got to keep up with you. It's just so hard for me to keep up with you because like I said, you always know your television better than anyone else. But I'll truly tell you, it's been a pleasure talking to you and looking forward to our chat next month on the world of television as we have on that. Sounds wonderful. Thank you. All the best to you right here from the pop culture cosmos. 
And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Culture Cosmos, aka Josh Peterson. Wanted to ask you real quick, my friend, did you think that The Lost City with Channing Tatum, with Sandra Bullock, and a guest role for Brad Pitt had Daniel Radcliffe in it. Do you think that kind of star power was going to do well enough to earn over $30 million at the U.S. box office? I mean, it was a possibility. I just didn't think that the movie itself was going to be good enough to do that. Is this like a parody? Is it supposed to be serious? Like, what's it's, the story no, it's supposed, here? It's not going to be a parody per se, but think of it like Romancing the Stone, but a little bit okay. goofier. It has those kind of vibes, but it is supposed okay. to be very very comedic in nature as far as a romantic comedy is concerned but yeah this heavy emphasis on the silly on it with daniel radcliffe playing the evil bad guy and of course you have channing tatum being goofy channing tatum throughout and sandra bullock being goofy sandra bullock and then brad pitt coming in to steal the scenes in his cameo so i love the scene that you see in the commercial with her meeting brad pitt for the first time you're so handsome. And then he says, well, yeah, my dad's a weatherman. So <laughs> I thought that was good. But again, The Lost City is doing okay in a box office that I think is, was trending this week as far as more towards the ladies, which is awesome because this is, I think, from what Hollywood and the entertainment sites are saying is that this is the first really female-centric movie to really garner a wide following coming out of the pandemic. This is the real first movie that was really designed for and really geared towards women in a romantic comedy type setup to really earn that kind of money. So The Lost City earning over 30 million at the U.S. box office. But the movie I want to ask you real quick, this is a big shout out to frequent guest Hamanish Goel. RRR, a movie we talked about on two occasions on our Facebook chats with Hamanish Goel and actually something we mentioned last month on the show. It's the biggest opening ever for an Indian movie at nine and a half million dollars U.S., Mind you, that's not going to mean a whole lot as far as it breaking the bank and becoming a box office legend. It has earned a lot of money in India, but for a movie like this to connect, I think it says something that there is a audience out there that wants to see entertainment from other parts of the world. After we saw with the Squid Game, with Money Heist on Netflix, both of those have done just amazing numbers. I think there is a future for where people will go ahead and enjoy movies from other areas quite often. You know, you're talking about the movies from South Korea, and we're looking at a lot of movies that have come out of Japan, right? Japan puts out a lot of good stuff, too, in the anime adaptations. And obviously the, the Chinese films with the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Ip Man, Legend of the Fist, things like that. There's a market for it, definitely. I mean, there are people who want to watch those types of movies, myself included, you know, and so why not? You know, what else is out there? We, we saw with Ong Bak, the Thai warrior, like that Thai culture was fascinating to watch that. So why not be interested in watching something come out of India, right? Yeah. So why would we not want to watch films come out of there? Like if you look at all the Bollywood stuff, there's a lot of talent coming out of there. So what else can they do? And from the looks of it, it sounds like this was something that really showed that, hey, we can make films that stand with the rest of the world. And it is something I'm very interested in watching. I'll tell you what, it is something that I think is a good sign. I know Hamanish Goel was absolutely pleased to hear about how well it did at the box office. It's funny because the movie that was the surprise last weekend in Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the movie, that movie dropped 75%. So we know with anime movies now, it is very front-loaded. They'll show up for the first week, no problem, and show up in big numbers. But Hollywood understands now that when it produces those Funimation anime movies, uh, that it's going to be very front-loaded in its audience. So they have to be prepared for that. But great sign to see other movies outside of the big budgeted movies get acclaim, get notice, and get dollars. But 
We want to hear your thoughts on this weekend's box office. Did you go check out The Lost City? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Before we hit the break and my conversation with Melinda Barkhouse on who won the Oscars, we've got a video game update for you. So we're going to be talking about Tiny Tina's Wonderland, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Cyberpunk 2077, and Elix 2. Elix 2 a game by THQ Nordic, a company that I've really had some issues with because they produce all these games, most of them mediocre, most of them underperforming and underwhelming, but they have the resources. They buy out developers all the time. You hear the stories where they have enough money that they generate over the course of the year to go ahead and be a somewhat successful publisher. They need to get their act together and build one project that they can all team up on because if they did so they have enough resources to pull out a pretty good game unfortunately elix 2 doesn't sound like it was all the way it so elix 2 is it's an incredibly frustrating game and it's not in the fa- i mean it is in the fact that the gameplay and everything about it's frustrating but it's also frustrating because like conceptually it's an amazing game in concept you look at what they were trying to do and you look at what they did and there's definitely a big gap between what was on the drawing board versus what happened, you know, what came out, what the product looked like. I started this game and I was not expecting much from it just from the bad publicity that it had gotten thus far. Yeah, you start out, you know, you're the main character from the last game and they kind of shove this whole story on you. They just kind of say like, hey, this happened, this happened, and now you got to deal with this. It's pretty straightforward, but just it feels like narratively there's a better way they could have handled that. Anyways, the world itself is beautiful. Like, I do want to explore. Like, I find myself still going back to this game. I'm probably about six hours in, and I keep going back because I want to know more about this world. And what I've seen so far is fascinating, but it comes down to these bigger issues that make it not worth it to explore, right? Like the dialogue is horrible. The character interaction, horrible. The voice acting, horrible. Like the way that you level up in order to use equipment, is just, it's really just not good. So there's just, there's so much about it that I want to like, but I can't. And there's so much about it that I want to just keep thinking to myself, like if I just am able to look past all this, this could end up being a, a pretty decent game. And for the most part, it can be a decent game, but I don't know what happened. It's frustrating because this had so much potential to be a good game. And I don't mean that in the way that I meant, you know, that we said, I've talked about Biomutant, where like Biomutant could have been a decent game if it just had this, this, and this. But that's also THQ Nordic. Right. That's the thing. You're, we're seeing this trend of coulda, woulda, shoulda with them. The thing is, I think that they have all these developers and then of course they do the MX versus ATV stuff that they do and all these other games Which that are they not have bad games, you know, no, they're not bad games, yeah. but the problem is they could pull their resources together and really make something spectacular. But the problem is they choose not to do so. They put out, I don't want to say like we talked about last week with shovelware and mm-hmm. like the we, what we saw in that period of time. And even at heights of what we saw with the PS4 and the Xbox One, where people were putting out junk games, they put out mediocre games, but they're very content. It seems to me like this company is very content on putting that well, out there. Like, obviously, they see the reviews on what they're putting out and they look at the feedback. And a lot of the feedback is genuinely helpful. You know, if you're able to take constructive criticism and they have so many recipes for great games, they just don't ever improve upon them they're just like well let me just keep putting the same thing out over and over somebody will play it and i don't know who's playing it but it's so frustrating because this game elex 2 like the concept is so cool this big open world this mixture of post-apocalyptic medieval style combat in a world like that i'm so fascinated by it but i'm so frustrated by the fact that it's so bad you know like i just i want to keep playing it but I feel like at this point, it's just going to be punishing myself to do this because this stuff that is just going to cast a shadow over the entire experience of this, what could be a really great game. I want to hear your thoughts now on Cyberpunk 2077, the next gen upgrade, which you've had a chance to test out. Is someone like me who didn't get into the rush initially of the 10 million people who pre-ordered it and 
soon regretted it because of all the problems. And I know that CD Projekt Red has been working on it over time and trying to produce a game that they should have produced the first time around. Now they finally have a game that are saying that could be worth investing. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Now that you've had some time with the next-gen upgrade, is Cyberpunk 2077 now a world worth investigating? Oh, I think so. I mean, it still freezes here and there, but that I'm assuming is just because of my internet or my Xbox console self. It doesn't, there's nothing like that serves as a detriment to it. Mm-hmm. So that being said, like I'm not seeing a lot of the glitches and issues and missions freezing and uh, not being able to turn quests in and a lot of walking on the streets and just seeing people without faces or pixelized faces. Like I'm not seeing a lot of that stuff. Like that stuff all feels and looks a lot better playing it in 4k with ray tracing like seeing all that stuff work like it does a lot better unfortunately for this game which yeah i would definitely recommend you play it it's a really long game so i mean you just gotta ask yourself is it worth it to invest so many hours into a game from 2020 when there's so many great things out now but this game it just has the unfortunate circumstance of being tied to these bad reviews that came out all the commenting about it so I have a feeling that anyone who plays it from this point forward, even if they are on the next-gen upgrade, are still going to be looking for issues to blog about, to talk about, to make videos about, to chat about on podcasts or whatever. It's just unfortunate that the reputation of this game will always be tied to that when it's actually a pretty great game. And had this version come out when the game was first released, I think that we would be seeing a completely different opinion of this game. Last thing I want to touch on is the two releases from late last week, Kirby and the Forgotten Land and also Tiny Tina's Wonderland. A land theme going on there. Your thoughts on this, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which is one of the most recent releases to the Nintendo Switch, something that desperately needs more content coming to it, even though it has sold so many units, over 100 million units, I get it and all that, but The sparse amount of content that happens at times for the Nintendo Switch still is an issue for me. This is something that has garnered positive reviews. What are your thoughts on Kirby and the Forgotten Land and also Tiny Tina's Wonderland, which is now available on all the general consoles, which is getting solid reviews as well? So Kirby and the Forgotten Land, I keep monitoring this one closely. Like Brian from Super BS picked it up, but he hasn't played it yet. He played the demo I've been watching footage of this game online. It reminds me of early Nintendo 64 3D outings, the little hint of platforming in there. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Super Mario 64. But, you know, as I'm watching this and I'm watching more gameplay, my concern with going out and spending $60 on something like this is the fact that the gameplay feels an awful lot like the Yoshi World games, like Yoshi's Crafted Yarn or whatever, where the game is fun up until a point and then it just becomes repetitive because it's geared towards younger audiences and knowing that it has to be something that will not be too difficult for them to play and i'm looking at kirby's forgotten land and it's something that looks cool but i don't think it's something that i would pay 60 dollars to play just because it it doesn't have that wow factor for me and now let's go into tiny tina's wonderland the familiarity that people have with the world of borderlands and the series has garnered great success. If this game does not do well, even though the reviews for it are pretty solid right now, if this game does not do well, could people be tiring of the Borderlands concept, the Borderlands gameplay, the Borderlands style of gaming from 2K? You know, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I know a lot of people like Borderlands 3. To me, Borderlands 2 is like the top of the shelf for them because... You know, playing Borderlands 3, it's really geared towards people who are good with understanding skill trees and how they work and how to have the best builds. And Borderlands 3, you could get away with playing it with a rudimentary knowledge of these concepts, but it wasn't very user-friendly. So I'm looking at Tiny Tina's Wonderland. It's getting, yeah, like you said, it's getting great reviews. I seen it get eight and a half to nines. I think Game Informer gave it a 9.5. What I'm hearing is it's it's amazing. Like, it's great because it's based on Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep, which is that, you know, the, the famous Borderlands 2 expansion. People are enjoying it because of the characters and the writing and the voice acting, which I think some of it's done by Andy Samberg and a couple other famous people. I'm excited to play it. I'd like to play it. I'm a big Borderlands fan. But as we saw with Borderlands 3, the price cut from 
$60 to about $30 within three or four weeks of it coming out, despite how well people enjoyed it. So, you know, I'm curious now, like, is it worth $70 to go out and buy? Or should I just kind of wait? Because I'm sure when Target has their Memorial Day sales or whatever, it's going to end up being $30 or $40. This game is scoring well. Good reviews, solid reviews all around. IGN gave it an eight. I think at this point in time that it is something that if you're interested in Borderlands and the Borderlands type of theme, if you play the other Borderlands, obviously something very easy to get into. If it's something you're tiring of, we'll find out because with Elden Ring, I was talking to people the other day, you've spoken about how much you played Elden Ring. Somebody was saying, I can't get into other games. I have no time for other games because I've played a hundred hours of Elden Ring. So if people are not able to go ahead and get into this, could this be a sign for 2K that we maybe need to slow down on Borderlands and Borderlands related releases? We'll find out. I'm hoping not because it's always been a good formula. It's been fun. The writing seems to be a key for oh, this. Oh, sure. Yeah, so that seems to be a key for this series. But again, we'll wait and see. But we want to hear thoughts on Elix 2, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Tiny Tina's Wonderland, and the next-gen upgrade for Cyberpunk 2077. Please, if you have any thoughts on any of these games, or if you have more questions for us, please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And we'll also be releasing in the not-too-distant future some footage of Cyberpunk 2077, the next-gen upgrade, and also Elix 2. I'm hoping we'll get some footage from Josh as well. He's coming up here in a bit. So if you have any thoughts on any of these games, please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. When we return, we're going to close out the show with Melinda Barkhouse Ross and I. We're going to be talking the Oscars. Who won at the Oscars? We're going to give you a recap of the big winners at the Oscars coming up after the break. And we'll close out the show with the real movie awards, the Razzies. Who won, quote unquote, at the Razzies? We'll talk about that as Josh and I close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford along with Melinda Barkhouse Ross. She hops over from the Friday show, The PC Multiverse, as we cover late night results from the Oscars. Melinda, great to have you here. Oh, so glad. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm excited to go ahead and talk about the Oscars. I hope you will not go ahead and hit me the way Will Smith hit Chris Rock, because it really looked legit. I know a lot of people are still saying it's staged or whatnot, but Chris Rock made some unfortunate comments in regards to Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, and it didn't go over so well. You can search on Twitter the entire back and forth. When yeah. Will Smith came up on stage and struck Chris Rock. So that will be the talk of this Oscars going forward, even though he still won at the Oscars yeah. as well. So Will Smith did win for Best Actor for King Richard. He also had, as the biggest winner of all, Coda. This movie that was originally shown at Sundance last year, Apple bought it, snatched it up for a record price, $25 million at the time showcased it over the late summer and this story which resonates so much is the feel-good movie of the year i've mentioned it before on this show one individual who tries to balance life as a person who can hear but also balance her life with the rest of the family that are deaf your thoughts on this troy Kotzer won the best supporting actor for his role in this film it walked away with a big prize. What are your thoughts on Coda? Yeah, honestly, I was surprised it wasn't Belfast. Disappointed it be... wasn't Dune. Yeah, well, of course, yes. We both really into Dune, sure. But my money was on Belfast, for sure. I just feel like it's the kind of movie that the Academy 
usually traditionally gravitates towards and enjoys. Coda is, I don't want to say an unusual film for them to have chosen winner because it's also a very moving story and it also covers a lot of the things that the academy awards tend to acknowledge so i'm surprised it wasn't belfast but coda and thinking of the academy and and how they seem to decide what movies get nominated for best picture it really does make a ton of sense really good i'm surprised it wasn't power of the dog that was the leading front runner here in vegas i can tell you that based on odds also the internet odds makers that were out there they had put the most money behind power of the dog the director jane campion won for best director so even though the movie itself did not get the ultimate prize she walks away with a best director award Best Actress was Jessica Chastain in a little bit of a surprise in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Best Supporting Actress, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story. Very deserving. That movie is tremendous, and she was tremendous in her role, so congrats to her with that. Belfast did get the prize for the Oscars for Best Original Screenplay, so it did win something. And this is sometimes what Oscar does. They like to, like, distribute the goods. Just because something gets 13 nominations doesn't mean it's going to get 13 Oscars. The most Oscars was won by Dune, but it was all in the technical aspect of the awards as it won for Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, Best Original Score, Best Production Design, Best Sound, and Best Visual Effects. Best Animated Feature, I was liking The Mitchells vs. The Machines, but... I think you and I both knew deep down that the momentum behind Encanto, even though they don't want to talk about Bruno, they'll (laughs) talk about the Oscars they just won as Best Animated Feature. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, honestly, if you haven't watched Encanto yet, and if you are a grown person and you don't have kids, and you're like, why would I watch a kid's movie? You watch it because it's a great movie. It's a really good movie. It it talks about family and how they relate to each other and drama that can happen in a family. It's a wonderful movie. It's really good. And it's completely deserving. It is deserving, no doubt. Best international feature was Drive My Car, which also had so much momentum behind it. It's won numerous awards around the world, and it is the best international feature I don't know, I want to say this Oscars was very entertaining for altogether different reasons. I think, again, this will all be overshadowed by what happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock going forward. I think that's what this Oscars will forever be known by. But I don't want anybody to go ahead and forget about CODA winning for Best Picture because, to me, as we head on out here, I think that this will help Apple TV+. Plus. This is something that now, they've needed a kind of boost. They've got some shows that they've obviously been able to be successful with. Ted Lasso, Severance, which is a tremendous show. Highly recommended. They have Pachinko, which just landed, which is getting a lot of claim as well. I think Coda might be the thing that really catapults Apple TV Plus in the eyes of viewers. It may do the trick. It really might. But, you know, there are people who, if you are anything like me, when it comes to like reading reviews about movies, I find the movies that tend to get like really terrible reviews are the ones that I end up really enjoying. Maybe do a trial of Apple TV, watch the movie, and then see if you want to stick around. Fair enough. Fair enough, indeed. Yeah. But before we head on out, you got to tell everybody what you're up to with the vampires and Vitae. Yeah, so we weren't able to do our live stream on Sunday. But hopefully we'll be back and ready to rock and roll for this coming Sunday. We do have some podcast audio. Gerald joined Rob and I, and we kind of had a little chat about developing the world of Vampires and Vitae. We did some word association with some character names and all kind of stuff. So, And also a pretty shocking announcement by Rob that I wasn't even expecting. So you're definitely going to want to check that out on Friday. Absolutely. That's Vampires and Vitae. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, Melinda and I go ahead and host the PCC Multiverse every Friday that drops and also wherever you get your podcasts and also radio stations worldwide. We know what we're going to be talking about. Venom is going to be dropping this weekend, so we're definitely looking forward to that. I'll probably have more thoughts on Halo. I do know that Moon Knight will have dropped its first episode, so I can talk with Melinda about that. 
Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going right now on in pop culture. I can't keep track of it all. Honestly, it feels a little relentless right now, doesn't it? Like everything, everywhere, all at once. Speaking of which, that just <laughs> came out in limited release, and that's going to come out in April in wide release. I'm looking forward to that as well. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited for that movie. I cannot wait for it. And I'm hoping, my fingers are crossed, that it will become my front runner for the top of my best 2022 movies. That's how excited I am about this. Who knows? It could be the front runner for the Oscars this time next year. It could be. Yeah. And Michelle Yeoh, best actress right now. I mean, she's incredible. Oh, my gosh. She's incredible indeed. And I'm looking forward to watching the movie, as are you. Plus, I'm also looking forward to hopping on the PC Multiverse with you each and every week starting this Friday. Looking forward to talking about that and everything going on in the world of pop culture. We also are going to preview WrestleMania. I'm going to have on John Orlando talking WrestleMania. And I will also be doing live post-game reports after each night of WrestleMania. I'll have special guests on as well. So we'll go ahead and cover that on next week's Pop Culture Cosmos. But the PCC Multiverse every Friday. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Melinda, you've been sensational again. You and Robbie should get an Oscar for your performances in Vampire and Vitae. Why have you not applied? Because we have not perfected vaguely Eastern European accent quite yet. We're getting closer, but we're not quite. Well, if Oscar Isaac can do a very controversial <laughs> British accent in Moon Knight, definitely can get yours done. I can tell every, you that. Right every British accent that is not done by a British person is controversial, sir. <laughs> yes, but they can do all the American accents like nothing. I know, it's strange, right? Yes, and Australian actors, the same thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. go both ways. It's not fair. It's not fair, no. I tell you. No. They're so yeah. good at it, and we're so bad at it. So, so, I no. don't know. Like they invented acting or something. But I'll tell you what, it's great having you here. Looking forward to seeing you on Friday on the PCC Multiverse. But thank you for stopping on a Monday show right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back to close out the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank so much Don Fobbs for stopping by for a March TV update and Melinda Barkhouse Ross for stopping by with an update on the Oscars. Before we head out, my friend, the anti-Oscars was also presented this past weekend for the worst of the worst in movies for 2021. The biggest winner of them all, quote unquote, is Diana the Musical. The Netflix version, which won, quote-unquote, five Razzies. Also gaining a lot of victories at the Razzies was LeBron James and Space Jam, A New Legacy, which won three Razzies. Jared Leto, who was in the House of Gucci in a performance I liked and was also under strong consideration for an Oscar, was the victor for the worst supporting actor, which I heavily disagree with. But your thoughts on this? The best award category is worst performance by bruce willis in a 2021 movie and they had actually eight movies debuted with bruce willis in it during 2021 and it's funny nicholas cage stuff in here i love the fact that bruce willis had his own category but your thoughts on the razzies before we head on out lebron james definitely worthy of the razzie that he got he was, not good. was a pretty terrible movie I haven't really seen a lot by Bruce Willis lately. And, you know, it is funny that there's the game a reason why category. I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm sure that it's meant to be endearing, but looking at the rest of this, it's a lot of movies that I haven't seen. So no, I don't think it's endearing. Anyway. My friend, it, he puts out a lot of junk. If you've seen he, what Bruce does, Willis does a lot of it, VOD stuff. Yeah. yeah. But it's funny to see the Ridley Scott films on there, you know, with Jared Leto and House of Gucci and Ben yeah. Affleck. Yeah. The last yeah. duel, these movies from Ridley Scott really not given any love. So, yeah, you know, it's funny because I keep considering watching both of those and I just keep hearing about how much of a waste of time they are. So I, just I thought of... House of Gucci was okay. Again, I like Jared Leto in it, but it was a lot of over the topness. I will give it yeah. that. I thought it was okay. The last duel. I'm sorry. No, I watched that movie. Time. Yeah, it's not worth it. Don't waste your time. All right. Your opinion of Ridley Scott will differ after you see that. See, movie. I don't want that because I like him. But if you have thoughts on the Razzies and the worst of the worst of 2021, or you have another movie that you thought was really the worst of the worst in 2021, I thought The Matrix was really oh bad. Gosh, yeah. and, we t- and we talked about last year, the movie with Chris Pratt, The Tomorrow War. 
was really just awful. A new layer of awful. That should have won the Razzie. But they're making a sequel, so obviously somebody watched it. Yeah, a lot of people watched it. That's the problem. But, oh, well, what are your thoughts out there on the Razzies? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, we made it through another episode. Very busy week indeed. Again, Moon Knight's coming up. A lot of things. Morbius is coming up. And Melinda Barkhouse Ross and I will be covering that on the Friday show. But any last thoughts on the way out? No, I mean, we'll keep you posted about Halo, but I'd be curious to know everyone else's thoughts on Halo out there. Send us an email, popculturecosmosyahoo.com. We'll read those emails on the air, address it, and we'll address it in light of episode two on next week's show. So send them on down. I hope it gets better, my friend. For us, I hope it gets better. So for Josh Culture Cosmos, a.k.a. Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. This is another beautiful damn paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great day you're listening to a weeby geeks network podcast tangent bound network let your voice be heard tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.